you feel like a failure. I was just at home alone. You know, I was kind of lonely. I wanted to feel like I was doing something during the day. I wanted to feel like I was being productive and contributing to my household. When you're sitting back and you're seeing these other people get praised and you're not, you just start to think, you know, why am I bad at this? Why am I failing? And so you absolutely will start to look at it like, well, okay, maybe I can just buy some more of this product. Of course, you just think, you know, maybe I can actually sell this product and make the money back. So I'm Jessica. I'm 32 years old. I currently live in Kalamazoo, Michigan. I grew up in Battle Creek. It's really close to Kalamazoo and uh, you may know of it as Cereal City. So growing up, I could definitely smell the Fruit Loops in the air from my house. Um, I have three children. They're all boys. And currently, I've actually quit my job so I can stay home and homeschool all three of them. So that's been a huge undertaking. It pretty much is a full-time job that I don't get paid for. But I'm really glad that I'm doing it because it seems to really be the best thing for them. And that, that pretty much sums me up with, you know, all the basics. Beautiful. So tell me how you first got involved with an MLM. So it was late in 2018, um, sometime in the fall, possibly August, September, sometime around there. A former coworker of mine added me to a party on Facebook, um, which I'm sure everybody's thinking, oh, yeah, I've been there. Get added to about, you know, two to three parties every week, probably. So same thing with me. I got added to a Color Street party. I'd never heard of Color Street before. But one of the posts in the party on Facebook had a video showing what Color Street is. Essentially, it's nail polish in the form of like a sticker. And you just put it on your nails. There's no dry time. And for me, I loved it. I loved the the whole concept because I hate painting my nails, but I like the look of painted nails. And so I thought it was great. Um, without even sampling the product, I actually bought some. I really enjoyed using it. And then of course comes the recruiting after that. So this former friend of mine is like, Oh, I, I see you enjoy it. Why don't you have a party? You know, I, I kind of went back and forth about it because I know from past experiences, it's awkward to kind of pressure your friends. And I was actually new to the, this whole new uh, social media aspect of the MLM uh, businesses. The experiences I had in the past with these type of businesses, it was always home parties. So doing it all online was new to me. And so even though I was reluctant, I decided to go ahead and do my own party. And then partway through the party, we meet up at a coffee shop. We talk about the business and uh, the way it was presented to me was that this was, you know, getting in at the ground level because Color Street was so new. And being that I had never heard of it before, you know, I really thought that it was something that was new and that maybe, maybe I could, you know, have some success with trying to share it with other people since the market wasn't already saturated is what I thought. And so I thought about it and I think it was around 120 or so to get this starter kit. I thought about it for a few days. 
actually had to borrow the money from someone to do it. But I decided to go ahead and go for it. And my thinking was not that I was going to ever get rich with this or or really progress far in the company. I never had that goal because I don't want to be a pushy person. And I'm just not... I mean, I, I guess you could say I, I would be good at sales, but I don't like forcing people to do something they don't want to do also. So my view of it was I can share this with other people that like it and get a discount on the product. And the way it was pitched to me was, oh, absolutely, you can do this as a hobbyist. It's totally fine to do it that way. We're, we won't pressure you to have any quotas and you don't have to recruit anyone. And so I went ahead and signed up. Initially, of course, you know, you get a lot of interest in the beginning. I introduced other people to it. They liked it. Question for you, for that 120 for your uh, sales kit, what was included in that? So in the sales kit, you get about, I think it was 12 or 13 actual sets of the nail strips. Uh, each nail strip retails for somewhere around 11 to $14. You get enough for about two manicures, maybe some pedicures included in there. So on the surface, it seems like it's a good deal for people, especially if you're used to going to the salon. Um, you also get some supplies like uh, nail polish remover pads, alcohol wipes, some cuticle pushers. It comes with some catalogs and I think order forms. So it, it's kind of just everything you need to get started with the party aspect of it. But did you say you got your money's worth with that? No. Well, I mean, I did make enough initially to pay uh, the person back that loaned me the 120. Oh, okay. Um, but as far as what profit I actually made on that, I don't know. I never really kept track if, if I ever made any profit because right. once I started getting real deep into it, it was just kind of a whirlwind. Yeah. And I don't think I ever really wanted to know if I ever made a profit. I do remember um, like the one time I actually had a meeting with uh, the person that recruited me and other members of the upline. I remember it coming up in the conversation of how long it took them before they were actually um, making any profit. And I believe they were saying it wasn't for about three or four months in that they had been selling, but they also had recruited people too. So that's a little bit deceptive also. Definitely. Um, when you got your sales kit, was there any training involved with that? You just like got the sales kit and your upline saying, here, go to town. Pretty much. Um, they do add you to several different Facebook groups that are supposed to be you know, one for your team, one for some graphics you can use, and then also some other kind of online. I, they would call it a resource. It wasn't very resourceful to me. A lot of it um, wasn't very self-explanatory. And then you have the actual Color Street website, where as a consultant, you can go in and in the back office side of things, they have some different links and resources in there too. So it's all very much uh, self-guided, I guess. And unless you have an upline that's 
very proactive about getting together with you. A lot of it you're left on your own to really discover and kind of figure out. Um, You said you didn't want to know that you were profitable. What did you mean by that? Well, when I got started, like I said, I was kind of doing it just to share it with other people. But you start to feel that pressure right away. Even though they originally said I could do this for fun, you start to get pressured with these different goals, like these initial jumpstart goals where they want you to sell a certain amount within your first, I think it's three months. And even though I wasn't getting a lot of training and help, I was getting a lot of, we'll call it encouragement (laughs) to hit these goals. But it wasn't, oh, it would be great for the company if you made these. It's, oh, this would be really good for you because you're going to make money and you're going to get free product. And it's, you know, it's a really good thing to meet these initial goals. So you end up getting pressured to spend your own money on the product. And so once it reached that point, that's kind of when it was like, I didn't want to know if I was being profitable or if I was actually in debt at this point, because I, I don't like the feeling of failure and I really don't like the feeling of letting other people down. And so to look into it and to start feeling like I had made a mistake, I just kind of wanted to avoid feeling that way, really. When you were chatting with your upline, you said, I heard you say your ex-friend, when you were chatting with her and she made it totally clear that like, you could do this as a hobby and there's no recruiting required. Um, But when did you learn that that wasn't the case? Because you emailed and said that there was a rule that if you didn't sell $300 worth of product in three months, you were out or like not out, but you couldn't call yourself a consultant still or a distributor. Like there was something around the three month mark that there was a a very sort of line in the sand. Um, Did that person give any inclination or any indication that there were going to be any type of benchmarks for you? Because you said you, I feel like you were pretty, you know, forthcoming and said like, I'm just trying to do this as a hobby. I'm not trying to get rich. Right. So I feel like she, first of all, had different goals than I did. She really bought into the whole I can quit my job, you know, I'll get you on my team. We can find other people and we can make money at this and, and that, you know, she wouldn't have to keep working full time. So I think she had different priorities than I did from the beginning. And I guess when we were talking about the requirements, maybe it just wasn't clear to me in her verbiage exactly what the requirement was. I believe she said something like, oh, you just have to sell 300 within six months or something along those lines when it's actually that if you don't have 300 in sales within one month during that six-month period, you would get kicked out of the company. So that's a big difference. Oh, I'm actually, I misspoke. It was 1,800 in three months. So that was the the jumpstart goal. Oh, 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 those, they're different. Gosh, this is so right. convoluted. I know, I know. <laughs> they send you a whole chart that's supposed to show you how much you can make if you hit these goals, and then if you recruit people, how much extra you can earn. I mean, I feel like they're second nature to anyone who's 
in it, but like anyone from the outside, you read this and you're like, this is as clear as mud. Like, what does this Mm -hmm. mean? And, you know, to to someone on the inside, it's like, oh, yeah, it's easy. You're step this and then level this and a diamond and a star. You're like, okay. (laughs) But it's so deceptive. These numbers that they put out there, I think a lot of times they try to use percentages and possibilities when they give you these charts. Not anything that's actual concrete numbers that people have actually made. And I actually saw something that was um, pretty pretty honest, surprisingly, um, from a company. It's one of the newer makeup MLM companies. And they had a disclosure. I'm sure it's not anywhere easy to find. But they actually said in the disclosure that they didn't have any actual numbers yet because they're brand new, but based on industry standards, so, you know, other MLM businesses, that the projected expected annual income for a consultant in that company was 500 to $2,000 for the year. And then they went on to say, please note, that does not include any business expenses related to running your business. And then they even went on to say that it is possible that you might spend more money on your business than you actually make. I feel like if that was plastered on billboards or if this was shown to everyone, no one would ever come anywhere near these MLM businesses. I'm inclined to believe you, but I know that there are people that look at that and say, that doesn't apply to me. Like we have, oh, we've, we've already interviewed academics and, um, you know, really like subject matter experts about MLMs and they'll, they'll say the same thing. Like, well, that, that doesn't apply to me. Like I'm a winner. Like on my upline told me I'm a winner. My mom told me I'm a winner. So I'm going to be a winner. And they yeah. don't think that, uh, I mean, it, it's wonderful that that company is transparent and, and forthright. Um, but, oh. There, I feel like there's still, but like there's still going to be that like segment of the population that's going to want to like defy the odds and be like, yeah, I'll make that in a month. And with all of those training seminars that they do too, where it's you're pretty much in a room with a thousand other people with this very successful motivational speaker in front of you, telling you that you can defy the odds and you can be that person that makes six figures. I, I do think, yeah, a lot of times people really want to believe that about themselves. Yeah. Because we have this drive to succeed. So maybe they see those numbers. And like you said, they think, oh, well, that doesn't apply to me. I'm going to be the one that's successful. Right. Um, I have a question about the jumpstart goal. So it was 1803 months, $1,800 in three months, rather. Um, is that realistic? Is that amount of money sort of congruent with just looking at this as just a hobby? Or do you have to really like hustle to get that? So no, it's not realistic when you look at it. And I met, I think, one of these goals because, like I said, I spent, and I didn't even spend my own money. I I opened a credit card and put it, like a three or four hundred dollar order on this credit card behind my husband's back to do this because at this point I was so afraid of failing that I decided to put my own money into it. And still I was at the beginning thinking, well, I'll make this money back. But realistically, if you wanted to actually 
meet that goal without going the route I unfortunately did, you would probably need to do at least one party a week, if not more than that, and have them be very successful parties. So essentially, you would be out there working at least 40 hours a week, at least as much as you would have at a full-time job, so that you could sell you know, maybe $200 worth of product at a party, but you're only making about 30% commission on that. So, you know, when you look at the numbers, you're spending all of this time, you know, out there hustling if you really want to be successful with meeting these goals, but you're, you're barely getting anything back for all of that work. And then when you factor in gas money and the money you spend on uh, advertising and just your time, it's you definitely are in the negative at that point, but that's not what the company will portray to you. They will celebrate you. They will use all kinds of emojis and just all of this praise on Facebook that you're a rock star and you met your goal and you're going to get free product from the company. So you feel like a winner. So you just keep going and keep trying and doing the same thing over and over. When you, and you said you didn't get that light shined on you, you said that, you know, your upline was very warm and with the emojis and with the balloons and stuff. But when you weren't in that sort of light, it was cold and you didn't get any of that praise or attention. Um, How did that make you feel? Is that kind of what motivated you to be your own customer and buy all this product that you didn't need? Yeah, absolutely. You feel like a failure. And at this point in time, I had quit my full-time job. I had quit due to health reasons. This was before I had started homeschooling my kids. So I was just at home alone. You know, I was kind of lonely. I wanted to feel like I was doing something during the day. I wanted to feel like I was being productive and contributing to my household and I hate failure and when you're sitting back and you're seeing these other people get praised and you're not you just start to think you know why am I bad at this why am I failing and so you absolutely will start to look at it like well okay maybe I can just buy some more of this product I'll meet those goals I'll get the praise and then I'll feel like I'm doing something and then Of course, you just think, you know, maybe I can actually sell this product and make the money back at some point. But that's unsustainable. You know, you can only fit so much product in your before you have to start selling some of it. Did your upline know that you were in this season of transition when she approached you? Yeah. And I think it was definitely used as... uh, um, as a reason to pitch it to me. Oh, that is such a bad look. And when we worked together, the person was actually a supervisor of mine. And so they definitely knew what kind of personality I had and what kind of drive I had at work and that I'm not a kind of person that likes to fail and that I'm someone that will, will actually work hard at what I'm doing. So they definitely knew that about me too. I feel like that's even more exploitive because there was already an unbalanced power dynamic there of this person was a former supervisor or a current supervisor and you know that you don't like to say no and you don't like to let people down so 
this person, you were probably a, a sure thing for them. Yeah, I think so. And I wouldn't call them a manipulative person. I just think that they probably got caught up in everything they were being told um, about trying to recruit and find a certain type of person that I unfortunately fell right into that personality type. Got it. Um, talk to me about the hidden costs. Uh, you mentioned that there is gas and transportation and you had to pay 10 bucks a month for uh, the website to host. Is that right? Yes. So there's yeah. Tell me about that. Site cost was like nine ninety five or somewhere around ten dollars a month just to have this website. Which without it, people can't make online orders, which is pretty much essential in any sort of business these days. So it's really not optional. You pretty much need to have it. And then, even if you're not buying products, you're a lot of times encouraged to buy you know, uh, table cloths with color street on it so that you can advertise when you go out to these vendor events, which usually cost anywhere from 25 to maybe even a hundred dollars to be part of these vendor events. And then you've got the catalogs. If you choose to buy them, I can't remember exactly how much a pack of catalogs cost, maybe somewhere around $10 or so, but you only get about 20 catalogs in there. So if you're someone that uses them a lot, you're going to start racking up the cost very easily. Then if you go do in-home parties, you've got the gas to go out there. And if you do anything in your own home, then of course you've got the money you spend on the little snacks and sandwiches and the wine and the cheese and, and all of that that you pay for that too. So you're easily spending one to two, 300 or more dollars a month just on all of these extra things in addition to the product that you might be buying. How often did your upline reach out to you? In the beginning, I spoke with them several times during that first month. And then you're all in this Facebook group together, which I think gives the appearance of them being there for you. But for me, after that initial period, I rarely heard from any of them, maybe once a month or so. But as I started to uh, do poorly, not really sell as much, and it started to look like maybe I was eventually going down the path of no longer being a consultant, it was almost just like the radio went silent. And it felt very much like they weren't even going to try with me because they could see that, you know, I was, I was losing it. So they didn't even know, like, you don't, you can't play with us. Like you're out. Yeah. Essentially. Okay. So, um, in your email, you use the word cult like, uh, can you elaborate on that for us? Yeah, it's, it's crazy. You know, you're, you're a same person looking at these things happening and it's, it's almost like you can't believe what you're seeing. So in some of these groups that are for consultants, someone will come on there saying something like, okay, my customer just sent me an email and, you know, they're having an issue with the, the nails cracking after they applied them. And instead of having any sort of really practical, helpful advice, 
most of it, probably 90% of the responses would be, well, they're probably doing this wrong or they're not using the product correctly. They don't understand the application process. And this product is is great. It works great if you're doing it right. And it was all very, very much like there is absolutely nothing wrong with this product. And it must be something that they're doing wrong because our product is absolutely flawless. And then the the founder of the company is you'll find a lot of time that they're just completely idolized. They'll have pictures when they meet them, like they're a celebrity. There was even something that went around where people were voting on who was the best leader of an MLM business. And I believe in order to even vote, you had to um, sign up for something. But of course, no one had a problem with that. They wanted to sign up for this thing so that they could vote for their MLM leader to show that they're the best at what they do. It's really, it's really crazy. The idolatry we definitely have heard of, of like these massive conventions with stages and pyrotechnics and just throngs of people screaming for them. It is, it's a sight. And it's terrifying. So I, I'm it with is. you on that. <laughs> okay. And so. it really goes against the whole, you know, what are you? Are you a boss babe or do you work for this person? Because they constantly contradict themselves between, you know, are you owning your own business or do you work for this company? Because it's, it's shown as both ways. They act like they are an entrepreneur and they're doing this all on their own. But then in the same breath, they'll talk about how great their leader is. Let's talk of like sort of when this cloud of hell lifted. Um, what, when did you wake up? You said you started, this was first introduced to you like August 2018. So like bring us to, I guess, let me first ask, were you successful in selling anything to people who weren't you yourself? I did have a little bit of success. There was a small group of group of people that really liked the product. So I was able to share it with other people that liked it. But even within that circle, I never wanted to be really pushy about, okay, you bought from me two months ago. So now I'm going to send you an unsolicited message about buying more. I could never bring myself to being that person. So even though initially I did have a little bit of what you could call success, I wasn't able to sustain it because I never felt comfortable with the inherent business practice of an MLM. The people that you sold to, I mean, obviously you didn't want to be a nudge, like no one wants to do that. But the people that you want that you sold to initially, were these women your friends or your family? Yeah, both friends and family. Yeah. So did it feel like you just didn't want to blur that boundary? Absolutely. Yeah. And I was a stay-at-home mom at the time. My former workplace was already locked down by my former supervisor that started selling, so I couldn't really go there. I wasn't involved in any, you know, after-school sports with my kids. I didn't really have a huge network to begin with. And I wasn't about to start going out and cold calling strangers or just being that weirdo that talks to somebody at Target. So it was also really hard for me to expand that way, too. How many other? But, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say 
uh, with your training materials that you get, there is a notebook that's supposed to help you keep track of your progress. They have lists for you to make where it lists off, I think, school, uh, you know, your place of worship if you go, um, maybe any activities you're involved in. So it lists these different things, and you're supposed to start writing down all these people you know in these different places so that you can reach out to them. And I found that so weird. I never did it because I just felt so gross with the, even the idea of doing that. Yeah, it's completely blurring boundaries of like, you're my best, best friend, but now I'm looking at you as a prospective customer and I want you to join my downline. Like that is completely taking advantage of someone um, and, you know, relationships you've have and relationships that you you know, I think you'd want to keep, not ones that you want to jeopardize. Right. Um, you're in Michigan, yes. Michigan yes. is uh, kind of the one of the lands of MLMs. Um, you said that, you know, you kind of had a, a smaller network. How many other women did you know of that also sold MLMs, MLM products? Like your ex-boss was already like kind of had that territory unlocked so you couldn't go in and compete. Were there other people selling? Yes. So first, one of the things I found out is that this wasn't quite as ground floor as it was touted to be. Because I believe in the Michigan area, there were already maybe a thousand or more just selling color. So that right there, I mean, that's that's pretty saturated. And it's just for color street. Um, as far as other MLM businesses, I do have a handful of friends. I think the ones that I'm close to, I have maybe a handful that are actually involved. And for them, they've been involved in several. They'll start one. And the next thing you know, they're involved in another one and kind of like keep cycling through. Um, I have recently had people reach out to me on social media to add me as a friend, come to find out that they added me because they're involved in a certain business. And now that I'm more aware of what goes on, I started to decline a lot of these invites because I just don't agree with that practice. So I think this going through what I did has helped me to keep the number of close friends that are involved in these pretty low but I'd say that there's still, you know, somewhere between five and 10 people that I know that are currently involved. So when did you wake up and, and how long into it were you? So about eight or so months in, I was out to dinner with my family and I get a text from a friend, a dear friend of mine, another person that I had formerly worked with and she texted me saying that she was waiting uh, to get her license in this uh, certain job that she had just went to school for. She was waiting to test for it and get a license for it. And while she was waiting, she was looking for a way to make some extra money. And she asked me if she should join Color Street. Now, this is a point where I guess someone else, and maybe a, a normal MLM participant would just, you know, be really excited that they're going to be able to get somebody in their clutches and put them in their downline. But my answer was 
no, absolutely not. This is not where you want to look for it, for getting any extra money. I told her that it's unless you want to work a lot of hours each week to really build up a huge network of people to make a little bit of money, you're not only not going to make money, but you will be pressured to put your own money into this. And so, of course, her response was kind of yikes and thanks for telling me I'm not going to pursue this. And then I actually was able to go on and help her find a legitimate source of income, thankfully. That's wonderful. You're such a good friend. <laughs> um, okay. And that, that was the point where it, I realized if I am pushing somebody away and telling them to run as far as they can away from this, then why am I involved? And that's when I just started to fizzle out and just, you know, make my exit. Right. Because, I mean, piecing together your timeline and your story, you'd already felt like kind of ostracized from the group already. Like you weren't hearing from your upline. You weren't really participating in the chatter on Facebook. They already kind of saw you were walking back towards the door. It felt this feels like it, it was a perfect exit strategy, right? Absolutely. And looking back, I, I feel really stupid. I feel like if you just looked at this impression of this person, it's not me. You know, you wouldn't read this story and then look at me and think that it was the same person that fell for this. But I think that's what kept me involved for so long was that fear of failure and that fear of, when I finally came clean to my husband about the financial side of it, what was going to happen? What was he going to think of me? You know, is this going to ruin my marriage? Am I going to lose friends? It's so much fear. And the fear motivates you to keep going. And I think that's what I fell for, unfortunately. Did you... So you have no idea how much you spent how much you made, you just kind of want to be blissfully unaware. Yep. I never did that math. Okay. <laughs> and I love math. Right. I love to make unnecessary spreadsheets and do math all the time, but I never wanted to know. So I never looked back at that. I probably have a good idea of how much debt I racked up um, on these credit cards that I opened. Um, but I don't know if you actually... I, Another thing is I never really spent any money on the extra business materials. I, I didn't find buying the table runners and the the display boards that you can buy for the nails and all of these things. How often was that wise. stuff pushed on you, though? Oh, all the time. It's oh. pushed in the Facebook groups. It's in your face daily. And then, of course, you see the pictures of the women using these. And they're usually the ones that have a big downline. They have a lot of products. And they portray themselves as being extremely successful. And so you think, oh, well, if they're buying that, then I guess I need to buy it in order to be as successful as they are. So a lot of people would spend a lot of money, especially these custom-made nail display boards. They're wooden. And I think they would run for about $30 per board. And typically people would buy several so that they could go out to these vendor events. But I got that deep into it. That's for the best, it sounds like. Um, tell me about the consultant that you know wasn't making money, but then kind of said like, oh, I, I've 
purchase or I've made like 80 grand in product or whatever. If you could tell us that story, that would be great. Sure. So this person is actually in a pretty high level. She's, I think, in one of the top tiers. So she's one of these ones that has met the owner of Color Street, the inventor of Color Street. Um, She has posted pictures of herself going on the cruises and the vacations, and she's shown herself with her family at Disneyland. And pictures of her house and her lifestyle, it looks like she's pretty affluent. Um, I saw a statistic the other day showing our top earners, and she was, I think, in the top four, if not the top two. And it showed that she had sold $80,000 worth of Collar Street in the last two years. Now, if you think about that in actual numbers, if you're looking at a 30% commission rate, which some of that might she might have made more commission on it, but we'll just use 30% for math purposes. That means she only made $24,000 in profit for the two years. So $12,000 a year before taxes and expenses. Now that definitely does not marry with this image. There's no of way. going to Disneyland. No, yeah, there's no if way. If you make $12,000 a year, that is below the poverty line. And that is not getting you trips to Disney and a fancy lifestyle. Right. So the only way that she could be, you know, liquid with any of this is if she has a lot of people underneath her. Right. But that's when you start to look at people like me and the bad things that are happening to people like me that she's profiting off of. Yeah. You just make, I mean, the thing about the MLMs is it's only people at the top who are making money off of the backs of people who find themselves in seasons of transition of like, I'm kind of in between jobs or I'm in between school and a job, or I just had a baby and I'm not back to work or just kind of like in these transitional periods that do this, have identical stories to you that join and then flame out after a couple months and then walk away from the whole thing in, in, inside of 12 months. Exactly. And, um, I think one of the things that we had talked about before that I I realized after going through this was about the jumpstart goals that I realized now the reason why they do these jumpstart periods, it's not for your benefit. It's not to give you any extra money or extra product. It's because they want to milk as much money out of you as they possibly can within those first three months because they know that most people are really not going to be successful past that point. So it's just make as much money as they can from you and let you go and go on to the next person. Well, yeah. And it's a part of a game for them because you'll get this like jolt of dopamine or serotonin, not sure which chemical it is, but like whatever triggers your brain receptor of like, oh, I just did something great. Let me try to do it again. And Mm -hmm. they want to provide this illusion that you're really successful at it. Like, Jessica, how could you have lived your whole life and not known how great you are at sales? And you're like, oh, my God, maybe I am really great at sales. So I should keep doing this. 
because they know exactly how people are going to get frustrated and they know people are going to drop off. So they just want to pump you up with, you know, a positivity in the beginning. Um, What is the absolute worst thing about MLMs? And you can think about it or if it comes to you, just like speak from your soul, but it's the worst thing. That's a great question because I think a lot of people and certainly myself included before this happened to me, a lot of people probably look at MLMs as being harmless and they probably look at it as if an adult wants to decide to get involved with that business, that's their choice. You know, what's the harm in getting together with your friends and looking at Tupperware? But the true dark side of it is the deception that you can't truly make an informed decision about something if most of the real information is being hidden from you. And the truth is that a lot of people are losing money. A lot of people are having conversations with their husbands that they've opened up secret credit cards and it doesn't always turn out okay. And they lose friends and they lose family. And so it is not okay to say that just because a few people are being successful and it's not hurting them, that it's okay for these other people to go through that experience. It's, it's kind of like the, the ethical questions, like the, the trolley problem. You know, if we really look at this, if, if MLM business models are outlawed, you're not hurting anyone. But allowing them to continue to be in business, it's clearly proven that people are really being hurt. And then there's one more thing that I feel really strongly about when it comes to the dangers of MLMs. And that is particularly the ones that are in the health and fitness industry. You'll sometimes get these individuals that go to these trainings and all of a sudden they think that they're an expert on something. And now they're giving people advice and it doesn't always turn out okay. It can actually be very harmful, these things that they're suggesting that people do. And one thing that I saw the other day that it just still makes me feel nauseated when I think about it is this person that's involved in one of the essential oil companies. She shared a quote saying, why is it that patients are told there's nothing we can do a disease that's caused by something that they're doing? And then she goes on to talk about cancer and how only a small part of cancer is actually genetic and you need these essential oils to prevent these diseases. And it really resonated with me in a bad way because I suffer from two different chronic diseases. One of them is very painful and debilitating. And I'm in a Facebook group, a support group for it. And in the support group, unfortunately, the topic of suicide comes up so often that the suicide hotline number is pinned in this group. And can you imagine someone in that state of mind being told that it's their fault, that they're hurting, and that it's because they're not doing enough, they're not buying enough essential oils to make themselves feel better? It blows my mind that there are companies out there that are allowed to feed people this kind of information. And so at the end of the day, it's not harmless. 
Okay, so our last question, we want to kind of bring this full circle. Um, back to the credit card. Um, when you opened it, you did it in secret. Um, and then when you needed to come come clean to this, how did that go? And then what made you decide to have to come clean? And then has that part of your life healed? So the day that I had the financial conversation with my husband, it actually, it's it, it burned into my memory. And it's not solely because of only color straight. Partly it's because I had to quit my job, which definitely put us in a position where, you know, obviously we were one salary short, so it was difficult to begin with. And that was a time when what we really needed was to make some good financial decisions to supplement our income. You know, incomes, this person that recruits me, making me believe that that was the answer. Fast forward 10 months when now we're much further into debt and it was weighing on me so much that I was visibly stressed out and just constantly worried about finances. And my husband, thankfully being the good man that he is, sat me down and said, he he had asked me several times before this to just show him everything. And he said to me, just show it to me because I want to help because I can see that this is very stressful for you. So I would like to know how I can help you. And so finally, you know, through tears, I was saying, you're going to be mad at me because I have ruined us and I've made all these bad decisions and you're going to hate me. But I finally just laid it all out in front of him. And he didn't get upset. He wasn't angry. He, he didn't hate me. He just said, okay, let's figure out what we can do going forward to make this better. And so we actually met with a financial advisor. We got some uh, advice on how to clean things up going forward. And we're still working through that, but we're on a good path now. And thankfully, I think it made us stronger in the end because all of that fear thinking that he was going to look at me like a failure and and like I was stupid and like I did this really bad thing. Thankfully, none of that happened. And he was supportive with helping us move forward. And now, thankfully, he understands why I feel so strongly against people getting involved in MLMs. And so for me, things are good now. And we're moving in a good direction. Right now, I'm busy with my boys. And so I don't have time to take on anything else, even though I'm constantly asked to join parties and I'm constantly having people try to recruit me just because I have that extroverted personality that they're looking for. But now I've learned how to politely say no. And so we're good. And now it's just hoping that I can politely help other people to make good decisions too. It definitely feels like he went through hell and back, but it feels like this is the best possible outcome. So I'm happy that there's a happy ending. That is all of our questions. Um, how do you feel? Are you in a good place? 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's a little emotional uh, going through everything, but you know, I feel good. Um, okay. And then I'm really thankful. Thank you for letting me share this. And I'm really hoping that this does a lot of good for people and opens their eyes. I don't, unfortunately, I'm a little bit of a skeptic, so I don't know if we'll ever really get to a place where MLMs are outlawed like they should be, but hopefully if enough people take a stand against them, then businesses will start to wake up and see that, you know, people are not agreeing with their business models. Um, But at the same time, you know, I also don't want people to be, you know, hateful towards people involved in it. I just hope that people can be you know, politely try to get them to wake up to, uh, you know, the the bad part of it. And I don't see anything wrong with if if you have a friend that has realized that this isn't good to be in and they're going out of business. I'm not saying, you know, never, ever help a friend out by buying something. It's just that the educational side of it is what I'm really hoping people will start to, to wake up to. I agree. Good. Well, thank you so much. It was cathartic. So go ahead. <laughs> so good about that. It was a lot of fun. Thank you so much.